You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the 415ers podcast brought to you by the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Mark Randy, Evan Giddings. Follow Mark on social at Mark Randy. Mark with a C, Randy with an I. I'm on social at Giddings 10 uh, The 415ers are on social wherever you follow Twitter, Instagram, all the rest. Okay, Mark, so I, I am glad that you brought up, well, one, the offense, but also George Kittle and Elijah Mitchell because I thought that the addition of, or I should say the you know the reinjection of Elijah Mitchell was going to be huge. I mean, five for 55, two touchdowns is a highly efficient day, <laughs> but he's such a bruiser to be able to take some of the load off of Christian McCaffrey. I don't know how much we'll see it in the postseason, just because I do think that that, again, and ironically, you're going to be playing Seattle again, but that Thursday night game, you know, a few weeks back against the Seahawks, I think is kind of the game plan that Kyle Shanahan wants to use come postseason time, which is McCaffrey again and again. <laughs> but the guy that stood out to me today, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hand out some game balls at the end, but the guy that stood out to me today, Mark, is, is George Kittle. Like, I, I know we were talking about Debo Samuel, coming back into the fold off of injury and wanted to get him reps because he's going to need it. He's the second most important piece of this offense. Well, I got to I got re, to reorganize my hierarchy, Mark. I mean, and not just because of this Cardinal this Cardinals game. Again, we're talking about what the offense has done since Brock Purdy has taken over as starter. George Kittle has been absolutely unleashed. And when you have a tight end that can get open in the red zone, that solves so many different issues, along with the fact that you can run the football and you can punch it in. It gives you just a different dynamic way to score points. And that's what Brock Purdy has done with Kittle. And not only did Kittle, I, 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 he, had two, he had two receiving touchdowns, but he should get credit for three because that <laughs> second Elijah Mitchell six-yard run, we're talking about pre-snap motion and guys, you know, not knowing defense, not knowing where the offense is going. Well, George Kittle on the right side gets brought in motion to the left. And I don't know if there's a more disastrous combo block for a defender than Trent Williams and George Kittle, <laughs> who absolutely mauled the defender on the outside to allow Elijah Mitchell to not be hit until the one. And the moment he's at the one yard line, he's not going down after first contact. He muscles his way through for a touchdown. George Kittle absolutely sprung that six six yard score to begin the second half and essentially put the game away to allow you to rest some of those guys. So you already gave him one touchdown in the first half. He gets the one yard score in the second half. He also creates the six yard run at the beginning of the second half. To me, George Kittle, even though four catches, 29 yards, you know, a couple of scores at the bottom for those watching on YouTube may not seem all that impressive. To me, what he has done with Brock Purdy at quarterback has, as in my mind, elevated him to the second most piece, important piece of this offense as far as position and skill players are concerned behind Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly up for debate, I would think. And 
I, I think maybe to to be fair to Debo Samuel, we gotta let him get totally reintegrated back into the offense. I don't feel quite comfortable saying that just yet, but I mean, your point about Kit, how Kittle's playing is certainly accurate. I mean, and also that last touchdown in the final minute of the third quarter, maybe one of the best individual catches we've seen from Kittle, a leaping grab in the back left corner of the end zone, a couple of toe taps, and he's in for his second touchdown of the game. He now has seven touchdowns in the last four games for the 49ers. Uh, one of those games had 120 yards receiving. I remember talking that game in Mexico City um, against the Cardinals that George Kittle was going to have a breakout game. He had two touchdowns in that game because the Cardinals are just extremely bad at defending against tight ends. Uh, and George Kittle is now making a habit of dominating the Cardinals, you look at his last three games against Arizona last year in November. That's last season in 2021 in November. Six catches, 101 yards and a touchdown in November of this past year, this this season still. Four catches, 84 yards and two touchdowns. And then today, as you mentioned, four for 29 and two touchdowns. So his last three times out against the Cardinals, he has over 200 yards and five touchdowns. Again, in three games against the Cardinals. George Kittle is a uh, Cardinals killer right now. And um, with Brock Purdy, he's just a, a killer straight up. He is dominating opposing defenses, specifically in the red zone. He is becoming Brock Purdy's favorite red zone target. It's not particularly close. And uh, he's showing off his extreme uh, unique skill set, which is separation from defensive backs and an ability to to jump higher and, and grab balls away from opposing defenders. He's incredible. And and he had maybe not the the biggest day in terms of number of catches and yards. He had only four for 29. But when it mattered most, he got open and Brock Purdy found him consistently in that red zone. Uh, two more scores for George Kittle. A career high now, 11 touchdowns on the season. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and I'll have to go back and watch not only this game, but but some of those scores in the red zone specifically. My, my theory behind why George Kittle has been so good is because you have McCaffrey, who obviously you have to pay the most attention to, that forces defenses to use guys that are physical enough to stay with Kittle, linebackers, guys that can ship. It forces them to focus more on the run. And then George Kittle ends up being matched up with you know a defensive back or someone in the secondary who maybe he's not faster than, but is able with his size to gain enough separation for Brock Purdy to kind of you know fit a pass in like he did with a minute left in the third uh, from the one yard line. So either way, he's playing some fantastic football. As is Brock Purdy, who adds another three touchdowns to his ledger, thirteen touchdowns and four picks for him now on the season. He's been absolutely fantastic. Um, but Mark, you know, back to the entire premise of this which is you know could you have scripted a better game for San Francisco today I'm just looking at the math and Ayuk four catches McCaffrey three Kittle four Debo two rushing Mitchell five McCaffrey 10 Mason eight TDP Ty Davis Price eight like 
I, I legitimately do think this is the way that Kyle Shanahan, if he had his pick of the litter, would have wanted this game, which is you use McCaffrey as much as maybe you, maybe a little bit less in the first half, but you he's the focal point. And then once you start to get those turnovers, which Arizona, look, it felt it kind of just felt like a matter of time before they were going to start making mistakes on offense. And when you give this defense, and especially Brock Purdy, extra opportunities with a short field, it almost is guaranteed that they're going to capitalize on them. And so, like, again, this is, what, a plus-four turnover differential, the eighth straight game that the Niners have played with a positive turnover differential, this longest streak in the NFL. So back to, you know, the, the entire game itself, the defense playing well, the offense maintaining its performance, and Brock Purdy playing about as efficient football as possible, you know, Obviously, 10 wins tells you they're they're playing the best football going into the playoffs. But just looking around the NFC, I mean, Jalen Hurts looked pretty mortal today for Philadelphia. Um, New York certainly has a chance to upset Minnesota. Dallas got freaking waxed by Washington <laughs> today. And Tampa Bay is a team that I, I really can't figure out. So it, it, it does feel like Mark heading into the playoffs it does kind of feel like it's San Francisco's to lose. I don't know if you feel that way, but that's that's kind of the, what the last couple of weeks have been telling me. Well, I think uh, in relation to the Eagles, it was pretty clear early on the Eagles were not going to run Jalen Hurts and, and let him take any unnecessary hits because that's the one thing that could undo their season, as we've seen now the last couple of weeks. So that offense nearly wasn't nearly as explosive as they normally are because the Giants – you know, around the second quarter, maybe halfway through the second quarter, around halftime, they figured out, okay, Jalen isn't going to run the ball. Like, let, let's defend like he's not a mobile quarterback. Like, he doesn't have his his extreme, uh, you know, nice ability to, to run the ball. And, and then the game kind of changed at that moment. That'll be different in the postseason. So Philadelphia still, I think, is is the number one threat. And it's it's not close for the 49ers in the NFC. Um and maybe I'm I'm getting a little too in the weeds here for the 49ers specifically. And obviously, once they got up by by 20 points, this wasn't going to be a game where the Niners, as you mentioned, just gave McCaffrey the ball a bunch more times. I mean, he had 13 touches in this game. 11 came in the first half. The other two early in the third quarter. I don't think he had a touch in the last 25 minutes of game time. Um, and that that was nice for the 49ers. You got Jordan Mason, eight carries. Ty Davis Price, eight carries. Eliza Mitch, Elijah Mitchell, excuse me, as you mentioned, five carries. Not only is this starting unit, Evan, for the 49ers, their, their starting skill group as good a, as any, probably the best. I, I will say not probably the best in the NFL, but they're showing as well. And I know this was garbage time, but they've got some depth. I mean, Jordan Mason and and Ty Davis Price ran the rock really well. And I know those are rookies that you're not going to lean on in the playoffs. At least you would hope so if you do lean on those guys, or you probably have a larger issue that you're dealing with. Um, but the Niners are, are deep as well. So I think they're not only do they have the best starting unit in the league, Evan, but they might just the best offensive group, period, going deep into the bench and into their sideline and deep into the depth chart. Uh, this team was showing off, and it's scary when you consider the fact that the defense is the better unit, but this offense is putting up 30 points like it's nothing, and it doesn't matter who's on the field. Debo Samuel came back for the first time in a month. He had one carry. He had two catches. 
just imagine when he's getting the ball eight, nine times in a game in the playoffs, and he's breaking a 15-yard run here. He's making two guys miss. He comes in motion. McCaffrey's in the backfield. McCaffrey split split out in the slot. Elijah Mitchell's in the backfield. George Kittle, he's your red zone target. There are so many guys to worry about. And then they have reinforcements coming in off the sideline. This offense is becoming unfair. It, it really is. And I the last point I want to make about, about this game, too, I also, one thing that stood out to me was, you know, if you're talking about depth, I don't know how much we'll see of those running backs in the playoffs, but I do think we will see that depth of the defensive line in the mm-hmm. postseason because that is something that D'Amico Ryans has consistently done in order to keep his guys fresh outside of maybe Nick Bosa, who's out there for the majority of snaps. But, you know, Jordan Willis has really come along in the last half of the season, who obviously picked up a sack today, forced a fumble, you know, looking at the defensive line. McGill, obviously, you know, Ebukam and, and Amenahue split a, split a half sack in the game today. But you, know, you got you got Javon Kinlaw, who started today, maybe didn't play as many snaps as, as you would have hoped, but you're trying to keep him fresh. And if that's a guy you can just add in and sprinkle in, that's a huge asset. You know, McGill, Hyder, I mean, even at the linebacking position, I know Shair went out during the game, so Burks had to come and come in and, and fill in. But you know, he did an all right job. Flanagan fouls, and I was also hurt. But like this, this defense also, if we're talking about depth, I do think that is where it lies, maybe even more than the offense and and the kind of the horde of running backs you have back there. And I do think it's something that will also play in the postseason, just because of how they like to consistently attack and beat you at the at the line of scrimmage. Um, so that defensive line was impressive to me today, and they have been really the, the entire season. Yeah, I mean, the, the one question, I think, defensively, and, and obviously Dre Greenlaw's question in terms of health, yeah. um, Kyle Shanahan did say before the game uh, earlier in the week, uh, he was asked what if this was a playoff game, would Greenlaw play? And Shanahan said, potentially, maybe, possibly. Um, so at least that gives you confidence that it's, it's certainly not something that the Niners expect to be too long. And I would say it's, it's, it's really too early to be talking about this now, but I would say there's a a good chance that he does play against the Seahawks in the wild card round, which by the way, will be on Saturday in the one o'clock hour. It'll be the first game uh, of super wild card weekend in the NFL. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, but defensively we talked about Lenore off the top that is still the weak spot of the defense in garbage time we did see Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins get in he made a tackle um I'm not saying the Niners are are going to make a change like that but it's clear (laughs) Odom's more of a more of a safety for the 49ers uh, for than Deandre Lenore uh, at corner Ambry Thomas was a healthy inactive in this game. He he was not available to play. That'll tell you what the Niners think about him as a cornerback, at least right now. Um, the Niners are relatively thin there, and we've seen a couple of teams now target Lenore's side of the field um, consecutively in, in consecutive weeks. So that'll be something to keep an eye on uh, as the Seahawks, who boast a really good passing attack. Um, and, and how that does fare in the wild card round, which we'll talk more about as the week progresses. But that still is the weak part of the defense. But ultimately, I mean, it's still the, the best defense in the NFL. So just trying to, uh, you know, get, get better at, at anywhere you possibly can. If there was one weak spot, it, it is that one. But it's just also because everywhere else is so dang good. Yeah. 
I mean, a sore thumb's going to stick out for sure.